Hey everybody, welcome to MXU Video Podcast, episode number three. It's uh, Rusty, Zach, and Jeremy. We're here to dive into all things video. So uh, yeah, we're excited about episode number three, which is kind of cool that we're actually doing this thing. I know, this one's going to be a good episode. I'm excited. I'm probably the most excited about this one so far. Same. I, I don't know if Rusty at, is as excited. Um, I learned a lot in this episode. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Okay. So uh, who, who's who's going to tell these fine people that are listening about this episode? Who wants to do it? I'll, I'll say this episode, Jeremy and Zach get really excited with our special guest, who I will not say yet. But they get excited to talk about all things intercom. That's right. I said intercom. A but video, podcast a video podcast talking about intercom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it's a yeah. part. I want to talk it. about how pretty things and how they look and composition. Yeah, but Rusty, you couldn't do your job without intercom. So, yes. you know, without correct. intercom, you're nothing. As we were like seeing this play out, I do realize like, oh, episode three is going to be about intercom and it is a video podcast, which I think, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about intercom. So I do think it's a little odd but maybe it is the right thing to do so i don't know i think it goes with everything i mean they should honestly drop this one on on the main podcast you know it's talking about intercom and it's helpful and everybody in the in the church you know uses some sort of intercom whether you know technically even if you're on a phone call it's two-way communication so i don't know very true wise words zach you know it honestly everybody that's like video savvy who's listening to this podcast should probably just take their audio guys and like make them listen to this because at the end of the day it is an audio uh device but it, it's a tool for the internet yeah I, we dive into all that so we should probably yeah, just get uh, what, where did, what you guys doing these days what's up what's new i'm uh sitting here drinking coffee out of my skylark sponsored uh yeti cup i was wondering why it was so yellow yeah it's a very yellow yeti mug well, whatever. Marcus uh-huh. sent it to me and uh, <laughs> cut number two for the day. So just, yeah. Speaking of, I mean, in the video that I see is it looks green, but you know, yellow, green. It's, 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 char- it's chartreuse. That is the actual color from Yeti. Oh. I don't know what, the, I, am, I don't know what the Skylark actual color is, but this is pretty close to it. I'm guarantee you, Marcus will comment and tell us the exact. That's true. Pantone color. Rusty, what are you up to these days? I'm sitting in my hotel room in room service right now. Well, uh, I remember in episode two, you said, I'm worldwide. And uh, I'm like, oh, a little bit of dad. Embarrassing. A little bit of dadu worldwide. (laughs) You're going to steal his little brand, huh? I'm I'm chasing after him. We're actually, I'm actually in the Netherlands right now with dadu himself. He's not here in my room, thank God. But. We're on a on an event together. It's fun, good times. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sitting in my office, just uh, doing what I do during my day job and helping partner with churches and hopefully uh, helping their video systems be better. And that's what I do. Yeah. So we shouldn't delay because our podcast, our uh, like our interview with our guest uh, is awesome and it's long. But not too long. But we dive deep, and I think everyone's going to learn a lot from it. So, uh, we ready to roll? Let's do it. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. All right, everybody. We are joined uh, with my friend, uh, Jeremy Lamori. And as well, we have Rusty Anderson and Zach Kimry along with us. And we are jumping into all things intercom. Now, Jeremy is a good friend of mine. He and I have worked together in the past, but he is the better Jeremy, in my opinion. So, uh, not, not you, true. You the are consensus, you are. I believe. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he is the better Jeremy. Uh, that is fact. So, and at the end of the podcast, you'll realize why. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's why we have you on. So, Jeremy uh, has uh, worked for an intercom company in the past. Jeremy's worked for. Uh, couple of different churches in the past and now he works for fox um all things fox like he does some crazy things at fox not just like fox news or fox local but like off uh, yeah jeremy you should probably just explain what yeah fox so means. so i work in engineering at um a fox facility that is the 
primary master control and distribution facility for all of the Fox properties, all the different channels. So in our building, we uh, receive feeds from all over the place, like sports, you know, from stadiums and whatnot. And then we insert uh, all the commercials and all the overlay graphics, those sorts of things. And then we provide the distribution to all the uh, the cable partners and uh, to the internet, OTT, all those sorts of things. So, man, that's a lot of words. Uh, <laughs> so we should probably discuss on this podcast beyond intercom. Anyway, yeah, so sure. you, you, your team, you're on the engineering team, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I'm. Uh, I get to be one of the uh, the principal engineers that helps uh, manage. So my role specifically is managing the non-playout systems. So routing infrastructure, multi-viewers, displays, intercom, those types of things. Great. So that's a lot. Uh, we'll probably maybe have you on later and discuss like news workflow because it's really intriguing to me, like what you do. But like since we're talking intercom, you know. Yeah, we're going to talk intercom, which is yeah. really your expertise, in my opinion. Uh, and then when we were together last time, or at some point in time, Zach and I were together, and Zach's like, we should have Jeremy on for intercom. And Zach, you made that comment because why? Like, you were like, Jeremy he is, is the, the intercom king. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll see about that. But, you know, we like yeah. to like to try to help out. Especially so, we can. Uh, you, put, you just put one debate to bed, though, Jeremy. You said that. So you're an engineer. Yeah, which is in all of our minds a video, you know, video world kind of thing. But you are in charge of intercom, so officially, intercom is a video engineer problem. <laughs> oh boy, that's a deep. That is a deep, deep debate. Um, but yeah, it depends on where you are and what environment you're in, what responsibility that sits with. But I think there's a big argument to be made that it lives in engineering, not in any specific department. You know, when you get onto a certain size show or production, engineering is its own thing, separate from the video department or the audio department or lighting department in that case. Um, and because intercom is so wide reaching and it touches everything, I think there's a pretty strong argument that it's an engineering managed system. But that's a hotly debated topic. So, yeah. So take, so I'm going to teach, I, I, I'm going to, say what you what some cool experiences you've had because you can't just come out and say it so jeremy you were uh while we were working together you had the opportunity to work the super bowl at mercedes-benz stadium so on the topic of intercom responsibility so like how does that flesh out like that is a responsibility of there's an engineering team or is it like a video engineering team like what how does that work yeah for a show like that there's uh there's actually three different intercom systems which all have their own intercom managers um, all of which are generally under the engineering arms of the different kind of divisions. So when you go to a show like the Super Bowl, there are uh, there's the broadcast arm, which is all of the uh, the external feeds that are going to be out and played for all the the viewers at home. There's the in-house show, which is provided for all the fans that are physically in the stadium. So what's happening on all the the LED boards? What's happening pre pregame, postgame, and then for the Super Bowl is a little unique they have their full own separate crew for halftime because the halftime show is obviously such a huge deal. Um, so when I did the, the Super Bowl, I was in charge of managing the in-house show comms, which is tied in very tightly with the halftime show group as well. We share a lot of the same resources. Uh, so we work together closely with them. But yeah, I worked under kind of the engineering department that was handling all of the in-house stuff uh, for that particular show. And just managed uh, the communication flow for all the different uh, people there. You know, there was, I don't know, 60 or 70 intercom stations and, you know, a handful of wireless and things like that um, for, for our needs specifically. Great. So that's cool that you did that, which means like you kind of know what you're doing, I think. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, all right. So let's dive into intercom. Uh, Rusty. Um, why don't you tell us everything you know about intercom and then Jeremy will fill in all the gaps. The mean, <laughs> mean question, because you know, that as we were talking about doing this episode, I said, I don't need to be there. I'm just the intercom monkey. I just put on the headset and yell at people who are running right. cameras. I know nothing about setting up com. Um, well, well, I know like, there's some differences. There's matrix systems. There's uh, yep. two wire, four wire. I don't know what the difference in those are. Yeah. Uh, I know what bad comm sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I've used that a lot. I don't know how to fix it. Uh, I, I don't know what else you want, Jeremy. Part, party line. Yeah. 
yes, party, party lines, line. matrix, two wire and four wire differences. That's a, definitely a thing. Yep. Um, yeah, you get nowadays you get into remote uh, intercom from homes, from iPhones, from whatever. Uh, that's all part of the part of the game now. IFBs to talent. Those are all things that are that are good talking points. Mm. IFBs. I'm gonna put that on my list. I'll yeah. make sure we talk about that. So yeah. let's let's break it down. Uh, intercom is a tool that we yep. use to communicate in live production. Bottom line. Yep. Now, yeah, and I I would go so far as to saying it's not a physical system. That okay. you you have a communications plan, no matter what size production you're a part of. That communication plan might be you have no equipment to help you with communication and you're yelling back and forth between people trying to operate a production. You know, that might be you live on text message, you know, at its simplest and you're trying to tell people, hey, so-and-so is going on stage right now, right? Um, or you have something like Slack, which you can have the biggest intercom systems in the world and things like Slack still exist. That's still part of your communication plan, kind of regardless of your intercom hardware. And then it goes up from there, obviously. You have really simple uh, party line systems, which you can talk about the difference of that up to huge matrix systems that uh, you know have tons of endpoints. Yeah. Uh, I would like to talk about party line slash two wire, four wire. Like, okay, you just take, you, you're, you don't have a clue what intercom is. And you're like, hey, we just are starting. Yeah. We've got these like belt packs. There's these four pin, five pin, three pin connections on the back or whatever. Like, sure. Like, Walk us through what what is that? Um, yeah, you know, at its kind of core, yeah, technology. Yeah, so at its simplest, uh, party line intercom is a mux of a, a send and receive channel on one pause, pause. Mux. XLR. Mux is mux. a com- combination of multiple things down one cable, more or less. And it's but a, it's an audio. It's a mux. Yeah, it's an audio signal. So it's putting two paths of audio because intercom is bi-directional, right? You have, you're listening to other people and then you're contributing to the conversation. So that's two different paths. And it's putting both of those in one single cable, an XLR kind of standard audio cable and allows you in a party line to daisy chain one device to another device. And as many devices are connected, they can all talk to each other. It's the party part of the party line. Um, it's based, that technology is based in old phone system technology from the 60s uh, in the US specifically. And honestly, a lot of the two wire party line uh, technology that even exists today is the same uh, since the, the 70s when some of this production technology was invented and, and launched. It really hasn't changed much. And it's still out there. You can buy new two-wire party line systems today. There's been a lot of advancement. We can talk about that too. But mm-hmm. at its simplest, um, that is that is all it is. It's a handful of devices, usually belt packs, sometimes you know rack-mounted devices or desktop devices that are chained together with XLR cable from one to the next. Yeah, it's fascinating. I remember my first experience with those things like Zach or Rusty. You, do y'all have like a, a first memory of like using an some kind of intercom system? Long time ago. Yeah, my first one's probably, yeah, Daisy, definitely a daisy chain system. All oh, absolutely. XLR cables running around. And, and noisy. noisy. Noisy, a lot of buzz, and just everybody yep. on one channel. I yep. feel like I spent a day under, uh, this is like first church production. I think I was like 19 years old or something, but I'm like under countertop plugging power supplies because uh, yep. there's like buzzing bad. Right. Yeah, ground buzz. Uh-huh. Yeah, real bad. Yep. And I'm like, I never solved it. I just kind of moved on. Yep. Yeah. These are the challenges with two-wire intercom systems. You're you're taking a whole lot of devices, each of which can have their own grounding problems. They can have their own power issues. And you're chaining them all together with a bunch of different cables. Every one of those cables can have a problem. Maybe there's a pin that's not soldered all the way. You know, maybe it's broken in some regard. And every single one of those things, it can introduce a, a point of failure or some sort of issue. It makes it real challenging to uh, make those systems sound good. I, I'm assuming the, so the bell packs are like DC powered. So it's, it's sending DC. Yeah. Part of the, the uh, yeah. Part of the two wire standards that has power on that line as well, you know, which there's some limitations to depending on the devices you're using, it can only go so far, distance-wise on cables, it can only go through so many devices, and you have to put it through another device to add power again to the line. Uh, but yeah, it's all DC power on the same line um, between two of the pins. Okay. So that's pretty common setup. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like even today, um, Zach at, at Elevation Church campuses, like, is there intercom mm-hmm. there? Yeah, it's kind all of- everywhere other than here is all to our party okay. line. Typically, two channels: uh, a production line and a cameras line. Cool. That's a good a good point there. Why separate those two? It's a common thing. Just keep, just to keep communication clear, and you know, right. you as a, a video director know that you're constantly talking on it, and that way the camera team can stay separate and and continue to do what they need to do, and have the production team be able to execute their portion of it as well without there being a ton of over overstep. Yep. Yeah, those video directors they have a tendency to talk a lot. You know, you got to keep them on their own. To do. That's right. Keep them on their <laughs> own channel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So historically, I mean, we started with this two wire party where everybody was a part of it. And then companies realized, hey, we could have more than one of these in a single device, right? So it's very common nowadays to have a two channel uh, party line. And there's a lot of products out there that have put all of that into one cable. So you still have one cable, but you get two channels. Um, but then there's, you know, several devices that can be four channels or six channels in like a rack mount unit and they have multiple two wire cables that come into them to be able to facilitate that. And, but it's for that exact reason, like Zach mentioned, you want to isolate the, uh, the traffic of what people are hearing as much as possible so that people can focus on the job they need to do without hearing the chatter of the rest of the system and, and things that don't really pertain to them. So two wire is different than two channel is what I hear you saying. Okay. Correct. So where does four wire come in? Like that, I feel like that's a very common. I I remember seeing uh, like a rack mounted uh, Clearcom panel thing, and it, I remember seeing four wire, two wire, yeah, in the back. So yeah, so four wire, so two wire is a muxed version of a signal path, right? So it has transmit and receive on the same physical cable. The so it's one XLR. Four wire is just balanced audio. So your input and output to that device are going to be on two different cables, two different XLR cables. Um, so on any system that's larger than a simple two-wire party line, all of your audio interfacing is going to be over four-wire. It's not going to be over two-wire um, because you know you want to have the ability to interface with other devices where generally from a cabling perspective, audio is a unidirectional signal, right? You have a microphone that plugs into an audio console. You have an audio console output that goes to a speaker. Those are all single direction paths. And four-wire audio is is basically that. It's just a nomenclature that's been adopted um, more for comms than anything else that exists a couple other places to to say balanced audio. That's really all that means. Oh, that would have been really helpful to know like, 10 years ago. <laughs> sure. So there's even some products out there that used uh, four-wire balance connections to go to their intercom panels. And then for all of the data, because you have to have data for the, what keys are being pressed, what labels are on the panels, those sorts of things, uh, they would just run like a serial connection uh, back in the day. So you know, for every panel, you'd have three physical connections, the data connection over serial, and then an analog audio in and an analog audio out, which would be a four-wire connection to make that bi-directional audio possible. Okay. All right. Russ, are you tracking along with this? I mean, so far, so good. Okay. There you go. When you said mux, I thought you were like having a, you just didn't know what MXU was and you were confused. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. So to keep us kind of practical for a lot of the, a lot of churches out there, maybe that they're, they're still doing the yell at each other method or the text yep. message method or Slack method. Yep. Is, and maybe we can answer this later, but I'm just wondering, is a two wire or four wire system the best thing for them to start out with? Or is that technology so old that there's actually other options that are similar in price, but better? It's a really good question. Um, From an industry standpoint, we are uh, very much kind of in between uh, technologies right now. And there are very, very well two wire systems that are available on the market you can purchase still. And they are fine solutions for a lot of very small uh, productions that only have, you know, three, four people that need to communicate. They will absolutely work. Uh, but a lot of those churches are investing in in systems that already run on things like Dante and some of these other you know, technologies that have become a lot more affordable that are using more modern infrastructure like IP networks. And Intercom is catching up to that as well. There are definitely um, IP-based solutions. There are Dante-based solutions specifically. Um, I think soon 
we're approaching the point where we may see decentralized based systems where you can have a physical device that connects to a service, like a software as a service that exists in, uh, in the cloud somewhere, allowing you to interconnect things. We're not quite there yet, but the, tr- the market is kind of trending that direction. You know, so I might be biased because I've worked a lot with Intercom, but if I was designing a system for a small church, I would do my best to not put in a two-wire system for exactly the reason you mentioned that it is an old technology and it is going away. It's perfectly adequate again, like it's perfectly usable. So it doesn't mean that it won't work really well, but it's worth the little bit of investment because of the additional flexibility and having a more modern infrastructure is only going to help you down the road uh, to look at something like, you know, how can we get away with four Dante-based belt packs? We don't have to have a huge matrix system, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a bit. But could we just get away with some small interfacing that is based in, you know, more modern infrastructure? I think it's really worth evaluating that. And there's going to be a little bit of a cost, you know, to that that's that's higher maybe than a simple two-wire system to get into. But uh, it's going to go a lot further. Uh, and it's going to open up the door to a lot more uh, options down the road. We start talking about things like IFB, how that applies to the church world. A lot of those kind of more advanced intercom topics just aren't possible in a two-wire system, or they're very, very difficult to implement. Whereas you start getting into some of these more modern modern systems and they they become a lot easier. You can do a lot with, uh, with a little uh, at that point. Real quick, IFB, what is that? So IFB stands for interruptible fold back. You don't need to know that. It doesn't really matter. There'll be a um, test on that later. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, traditionally, it was a news uh, technology where the news anchor, let's say, in a program or a news reporter in the field will have an earpiece in, and they need to hear the other people as a part of the news broadcast. So if I'm sitting in the studio, I need to hear the live reporter that's out in the field, but I don't need to hear myself. Uh, I only want to hear the live reporter, or maybe there's a playback package of some sort. So in their earpiece, they would hear this audio uh, that is from an aux output of an audio console, uh, and it's generally referred to as a mix minus. So it's a mix of everything that the console has minus the particular talent that's listening to it, because they don't want to hear themselves. Sometimes they do want to hear themselves, uh, just a little bit for confidence. Um, That's a preference thing. Oh, that side tone, but we'll talk later. Yeah, that is side tone. That's side tone for talent in that case. And then that signal can be interrupted by the intercom system. So somebody like a producer or a director in the intercom system can press a button on their intercom panel and it generally dips that mix minus that they're getting all the time, might dip it by 12 or 18 dB and allows them to cue or, or tell them something over the top. So, you know, you hear it all the time when you watch a news broadcast. You know, they say, oh, we're just hearing that so-and-so. Well, that's a producer telling, talking to them in their ear via IFB. Um, so IFB is just the, the kind of way to program it to be able to accomplish that. So you are an excellent explainer of things, Jeremy Lamore. <laughs> well, so like for, hopefully it's helpful. It is. I mean, so some context, Zach, you guys probably do that with your yep. um, online host, right? Yeah. And then so, Passion, whenever Passion has like linked moments, Mm-hmm. Uh, especially at conferences, when you have one host in one city talking to another host in another, a different city, we use IFBs so they can hear each other. And then, yep. like you said, the producer can butt in within the information. Yeah, it's it's really helpful, honestly, in any live production environment that is dynamic, that you know, you know, we may need to punt on something and change our plan in the middle of the show which happens all the time. And it's really helpful for having at least one uh, one or two people that are on stage that are part of the talent uh, for that show to be able to have a producer talk to them and say, hey, you need to stretch. You know, generally it's not, you know, you think in a church environment, it's not the, the, the preaching pastor. They don't want to have anything in their ear and be told to do anything. Uh, but there may be a host or there we might would, be- We would all like them to- <laughs> Let's yeah. just not I, I'm make sure we understand. You have to come across one that's willing to uh, to go that route. Um, but, you know, you can certainly have a host of some sort or really a, an MD, like a musical director that's kind of leading the stage in a lot of ways. Um, it's really helpful to have that, that uh, ability to talk directly to them. Um, the, one of the churches I worked for, we had IFB set up to the MD and to the stage, the rest of the band separately. So the producer could have kind of a private conversation to the MD, you know, and the part of the IFB setup generally is some sort of microphone for talent to talk back as well. Um, so the, the microphone's not live in the house. It doesn't exist anywhere else, really. 
but that MD can then just lean into their mic and have a two-way conversation with the producer about whatever change is happening. You know, just lets the production flow a lot, a lot smoother. Uh, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, you can use it when you get into more complicated, you know, multi-site production, those sorts of things. You, you use it to allow the talent to hear each other across site and communicate back and forth uh, in a, some sort of live moment. So, so Zach, you guys use IFBs. What would you say to that church that's doing like now we're the COVID world is, you know, existing and pre and post show hosting stuff is happening more and more. Like, what would you say? Like, do they need IFBs like this church had just started hosting now? I think it's super helpful. Um, for us, it's very beneficial given how we still take, how we break away and do our hosting segments. Um, therefore you know, there's an on-stage host talking to the room and then there's an online host talking to online and, you know, they both have the same clock, but they don't always, mainly the stage host doesn't always nail it. Most of the time they do, but if they don't, it's, it's nice for our producer to be able to get in our online host's ear and tell them to fill time or keep going because they'll almost always end on a prayer and whoever is getting in the, in the host ear can say, keep going or keep praying or whatever they're doing because our online producers also listening to the room program feed in her ear as well to be able to read that host and the host that she's producing and help balance it out. So in that situation, it's, it's super helpful um, to just be able to make sure everything flows as smooth as possible. Um, I definitely don't think you need it if you're just starting out as online church. Um, like we probably went a full year before we ever dove into the IFB thing. Um, but it, it definitely has its, its benefits to it, but I don't, I don't think it's a, a necessity at all. Yeah. It, I think it's worth exploring for everybody. And then like just being able to have the strategy for communi communication. I think that's where I like the way you started that. And you definitely want to make sure that you, you have some not on air time practicing with the host and the, and the producer. Cause that's definitely uh, and something that you have to learn to continue to be able to speak while someone else is talking to you in your ear. Yeah. And producers have to learn when to talk and when absolutely right. Uh, that it's a, it, it's, it goes all the way around. Everybody's got to get used to that type of a setup. Yeah. So I, I just, it's uh like, I've had a few people who were like anti it and I said, let's just try it. Let's just try it. And eventually like they started trying it and it was like, okay, and then a couple of them are like, I can't go without it now. Like, it's so helpful to have a producer, like some, another brain, you know, thinking mm -hmm. about that segment um, and listening to it and giving feedback. So that's good. Well, and, and think, you know, like, like everything we're going to talk about, IFB is a concept, right? It's not a technology. Yeah. And so you could have no intercom system, but you have an audio console that has a microphone input and it has an aux bus and your producer could wear an IFB and have their own aux and the the MD let's say could have an IFB and wear their own headset and have a microphone and you can accomplish the same type of IFB communication no matter what kind of technology you're using. Yeah. So you, you don't have to have the latest and greatest to be able to to streamline the communication. That's good. That's a good word. All right, so I heard this uh term at uh when I was at the passion conference I've heard it a lot and I have no clue what it means. So there's this term called null and I think it's something about the four wire two-wire thing. Yeah. And it's like, you got to null that. And I don't even know what in the heck that means. That's So that's any two-wire system. Um, all modern two-wire systems have the ability to auto-null. So there's usually a button you'll see. What, what so, is null? Yeah. Well, so there's this, the nulling process is balancing the uh, voltage on a line to be in the nominal state that the system needs for it to run. So because like the DC voltage is what you're talking not about? Not the power side, but the audio oh, side. Okay, okay, okay. So when you're dealing with a whole bunch of devices and you're dealing with varying types of cable and distances between devices, you can have audible problems where sometimes this muxing channel that we talked about in the beginning where the TX and the RX paths are getting... Uh, they're not being interpreted correctly by the devices because they're not in the right space, voltage space for the devices to determine this is my TX and this is my RX audio. And so nulling puts it back. The, the symptom you can have when you 
when you haven't nulled the system is you hear crosstalk where you shouldn't hear another channel, but you do somehow on the line, uh, or you can get what's what we call slapback where you talk and then you hear yourself back a few moments later, um, depending on the number of devices and cable and things like that. It can be, you know, maybe a second later, but it's usually a little bit faster. And a lot of those issues are just because the system is not uh, tuned to the length of cables, the type of cables, the number of devices in that chain for a party line. This is a two-wire PL thing only, analog two-wire PL only. And all the modern devices that support two-wire PLs have an auto null button where there's some circuitry built into the device that can basically analyze what's there and make adjustments um, to resolve those issues and put everything back to where it should be. Uh, historically, there were some dials. There were basically potentiometers uh, that you had to adjust with little screwdrivers. And yeah, actually have that R two R two R card here. I have to null it manually if we make yeah. a tweak. So yeah. we have a two R system here, two channels of two R that are tied into our matrix, and yeah. uh, it's for easy throwdown packs just in case. Or when your system crashes, uh, that system still works because it's standalone and just keeps running. What are you talking but, about? It never crashes. Yeah, absolutely. Calm never goes down. That's right. It's just like anything else. It's always stable. But yeah, anytime we add another pack or if it's on a super long line that's been added, yep. you have to go in there and renull it and kind, you got to turn the knobs. Kind of ironic. It's there for the quick throwdown, but yet you have to do all this stuff to get it to work. That's right? true. Um, yeah. And that's the reality of a long distance uh, a system that's designed for long distance analog audio. You're going to have that kind of uh, interference. If you want to get like super technical, you should hook up an oscilloscope to the end of it and you can look at the pattern and the vault. Yeah, nobody does it. Everyone you does it audibly. super technical already. In this they, hit the button, yeah. <laughs> they hit the button, maybe done. This is why I said, you know, I, was I, re- I would really look at other two wire. I would not look at a new two wire analog option. It just creates all these things that make it more difficult for the team that's managing it to make it sound good, you know? Yeah. Have we learned why Jeremy is the better Jeremy already? I no. mean, <laughs> Lord help us. Don't don't have me program a switcher panel, man. Well, that would not be a good day. So So know. well, my question was like you you are a video engineer. Like your responsibility is video transport and intercom like in this Fox yep. facility. So like yeah. you obviously had to learn audio as well. Like that's yeah. I think that's maybe a little bit of your background, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had a a bit of experience with audio. I did I mixed front house for years. Okay. Um, back in, in the early days of production. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm fortunate to have experience across a variety of, uh, different technologies. Yeah. Um, but I have focused a lot on, on intercom throughout the career. It's wild. It really is an audio. Like I'm just hearing it. I'm like, okay, really, it really is an audio device. At the yes. end of the day, it's an audio device. Yes. So if you know audio engineering, you'll know intercom. Yes. Yeah. It's and- used by the video system. Yeah. So why don't we, that, that's a good segue into matrix systems. Yeah. I was going to say, are we in the matrix or yeah. are we all shape? Why do <laughs> yeah. you keep saying matrix? So a matrix intercom system is exactly like, like you just described. It, it is an audio router. That's all it is. It has a series of inputs and a series of outputs. And depending on what buttons you press on these fancy looking panels that you put everywhere, it routes your audio from one input to an output. That's all it does. Um, Similar to an audio mixer, there's some gain staging you have to deal with to make sure everything comes in at the right level, just like you would on an audio console. There's even many of the systems have some basic audio processing, like built-in compression and limiting uh, high-pass, low-pass filters. Um, So very similar to how an audio console works. And when we build these matrix systems and we tune them to make them sound really, you know, work really well and sound really good for events, we are operating under the same principles as audio engineers. You know, we are making sure that all of our inputs are gain staged well, you know, they're coming into the system at more or less the same level so that when you're listening to all of these sources on your intercom panel, you you know, one of them's not super loud and the other one's super quiet and you're having to make it volume adjustments to try to hear these people. You know, we want everything to be really smooth. We want it to be at a very similar level. 
we want to compensate for if you're in a really loud environment and use things like compression and limiting to try to make adjustments for those super loud environments, like a producer sitting in the house of a arena that's 110 dB, you know, you have to deal with these things because that person, when they hit their button, they need to be able to clearly be heard by the rest of the team and not, you know, blow everybody out of the water that's not in the house with all this background noise. Um, so there's a lot of things to that. But matrixing basically is just every device that connects to the system is its own source and destination on this audio router. And it gives you the ability to be very flexible with what each device, you know, contributes to and what each device can hear. So what that looks like practically is uh, some sort of frame generally that lives in an engineering space uh, that has inputs and outputs. And a lot of those inputs and outputs are intercom panels, which are devices that sit in front of operators. They have a lot of keys on them generally, and they allow them to access other devices in the system and talk to them. So you use keys as buttons. Yes. Buttons equals keys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keys, buttons. They can be they can be all sorts of different flavors. They can be push buttons. They can be little levers that flip up and down. They can be, you know, the whole screen says the name and you press the screen. You know, they come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes depending on what brand you're using. But they so, all do the, basically the same thing. So when I hear Rusty, always like not always. Sorry, that's a bad. Always that's is what's is coming a bad next. So when I hear you talk about bad intercom, like you've experienced bad intercom, it may be because the tuning of it isn't. It's not necessarily the function of the technology. What I hear you saying is like any, you know, at the end of the day, we could pull a bad broadcast mix, just like we could have a bad intercom mix. Is that what I hear you saying, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that is. Uh, there's there's kind of three like facets to the intercom system. There's the actual system design, right? It's making sure that the right people have the right size intercom panels, that they have you know whatever headsets they need to use or the right types of headsets. It's a physical kind of hardware design. Then there's the programming aspect, which is making sure each of the positions has the right people to talk to, that they have the right keys on their intercom panel to talk between different positions. And then the last thing is tuning, where you need to tune the intercom system, just like any other audio system, to really sound good all the way through the chain, no matter what source, destination you're doing. And as an intercom operator in the show, like a lot of engineering, we have the benefit of working a lot before the show and then hopefully if everything's going well not working so much during the show we're just there to maintain and make sure everything's working well but one of the things we do as intercom operators is we're constantly listening to a wide variety of different positions and panels to make those little adjustments to volume so i'm adjusting gain uh all the time during a show um the intercom system that i primarily use has live audio meters you know, so I'm looking at all the sources on these audio meters bouncing. And if I see one that comes in, you know, way hotter than everything else, I'm making adjustments live to help balance that in so that it sounds good, you know, and it sounds like you expect it to sound. So, uh, so my, I think matrix obviously is, is a big topic and we could talk on it for, for time and time and time, yeah. uh, and go deep, but we don't have time for that necessarily right now. Um, so. Let me ask everybody, like in general, like real practical terms, intercom has to do with the video system because obviously camera ops are going to put headsets on. It's a way of communicating. So like Rusty, in your mind, what does a camera op need to really hear? What do they need to hear the, the best? There's things like side tone. There's things like um, program audio. There's the director. There's multiple directors. Like at the end of the day, if you're a volunteer or you're setting up an intercom system, like what, what do these camera ops need to hear? Yeah. So I think coming at it from a church volunteer perspective, um, I just want to make sure my camera ops can hear me clearly without buzz. Um, depending on where they are, maybe they need to have some program audio piped in, but usually they're out in the house and they don't need that. And then I don't know if this is part of your question or not, but really what I would want to tell camera operators is part of the etiquette is don't talk on comm unless you absolutely have to because um, you're, you're in a loud environment and I don't want to dirty up the comm uh, when you turn your mic on. And then you inevitably someone leaves their mic turned on and it's just blaring on everybody's ears. So everybody's ears. Yeah, that's a good point. So Jeremy, uh, yep. explain to us the camera op hits their intercom button on their camera to talk yep. to the director. Yeah. Who else hears all that and why? So it depends on how it's programmed. 
Okay. So in a matrix system, generally all those cameras come in as individual ports into the okay. system. So you can do whatever you want with it. So the idea of party lines we talked about before, uh, that exists in a matrix system as well. It's just those are logical groups of panels now. They're not physical wiring that creates the party line. So you may choose very well to have a party line. And in fact, it's the most common to have a camera's party line. And that usually includes the director, maybe an assistant director, all of the cameras, and maybe engineering, you know, video engineering for shading and those sorts of things in a larger setup. Which means anytime any of those positions talks, all of the other people hear them, which from the director, that's that point of view, that's exactly what you want. When they press that button, they want all those people to hear them. Yep. When the camera keys up, it's loud for the director, but they likely need to say something that's important, hopefully. and Debatable. Yeah, well, hopefully. And <laughs> the director can hear them generally fine. The problem is they've now keyed up in a loud environment and all the other camera people can hear that as well because it's one big party line. And the other camera people then can't hear anything else because they already are in a loud environment and they have this loud open mic in their headset. Now, there are ways to change that. It's not as popular. I'm a fan of it because I'm the comms engineer, but you can set up all of the cameras to be uh, basically individual point-to-point -point calls from the director to the camera. So if someone keys up, the other cameras will not hear it. The only people that hear it are the director or the assistant director, however you, you program it. Um, that's great because it eliminates this concern, right? You remove this really loud environment back and forth between the cameras. The downside, of course, is then the cameras can't talk to each other. And sometimes there's a production need for that, especially when setting up, testing things, all of that. Usually in show, there's not as much of a need for that. Um, but when you're, there's a lot of other times where it is very helpful. And there's an assumption based on the old technologies that that always is a thing, that the camera ops can talk to each other. Mm. Um, so, but there are ways around it. If you're in an environment, I've, I've been in environments um, that are really, really loud where we've done that because it's not worth the the issue if a camera op keys up and they need to key up sometimes um, and they want all the other camera ops to still be able to uh, to be able to work and hear the director and, and keep hearing shots so you say key up that's pressing the button yeah that's um an old walkie walkie talkie look at me what am i like five it is it's an uh, old, <laughs> old two-way phrase two-way radio phrase yep yep had a buddy of mine who couldn't stand that said walkie talkie but anyway um so that key up is like turning on your intercom so you could talk, right? Turning on your microphone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the case of a camera, they don't usually have a belt pack or an intercom panel because they're operating yeah. the camera. Uh, yeah. So it actually runs through the camera itself. Um, so key up for right. them usually is a button either on the camera or on the controller, you know, like the, the Zoom servo controllers or something like that. One important point here about where I think matrix comms gets really helpful is if I've been in a lot of environments where you have like, you know, four party lines, like a production line, a camera line, a graphics line, like an audio line or something like that. Yeah. But there could be five different people running different graphics machines on that graphics party line. And me as a director, I'd like, what's so great about matrix systems, I can talk to that one graphics person that I want to talk to without bothering the other four people that are on that, you know, that would have been on that party line. So it's just nice, especially in a bigger show, like in Passion Conference or even in a normal church at Passion on Sundays. The ability to kind of go point to point is is really key. Yeah, yeah, and and from a programming perspective, when we set up systems like when we set up Passion this year, um, we run under this principle called the principle of least privilege, which is I want people to only access the things that they need to do their job and nothing else. So they should hear everything they need to hear to be able to do their job, and no more is the goal. Doesn't always work out because there are party lines. You know, they might hear some additional chatter, those sorts of things, but we want that to be minimized because, you know, at the end of the day, the job is not to operate an intercom system. Like that's not the show. You know, the production is to be able to execute whatever your role is as part of this much bigger production team. And we want to do that, you know, in most efficient as we can, which is removing the chatter and letting them be able to focus on their job, but also not missing any cues. Um, they still need to be able to hear everything to be able to do their job. So it's kind of a fine line of balancing. You want to remove as much as possible while still maintaining the ability to do what they're what they're there to do. So that's great. And there's even more things that we could talk about. There's a lot of philosophical and like uh, people have different opinions about yeah. like which ways 
all this stuff should be operated. And then, you know, uh, I remember stepping into a church one time and it was like, they have a matrix system, but like all they have is party lines set up everywhere. So they just recreated a belt pack, like sure. two or four channel system with a matrix because yep. then everybody, cause everybody thought they wanted to talk to everybody, which yep. was not the case. Right. So you got to have some discipline and you got to have some, you know, again, yep. the strategy for communication. So, um, Maybe this will be a fun topic. Maybe it's not. But this uh, side tone thing is a bit of a pet peeve for me. So uh, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I know other people are not fans. So like Zach, Rusty, side tone, do you need to hear yourself? Side tone is being able to hear yourself through your mic back in your ears. When you're talking to someone else. Okay. When you're, yeah, right. Right. As a director, my comm is on all the time. and I don't want to hear this. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. You don't want to hear yourself at least. Right. Yeah. True. So Zach, you said very minimal. Mm-hmm. So same, very minimal. I, okay, so maybe I am just a, a minimal. Here's the deal: I think I may say too many things not on comm. So like, I want to hear side tone, which means I know when my mic is mm-hmm. on and not on, because I may say some things that I don't want people to hear. Hey, don't so, forget. Yeah, though, when you're on the engineering team, just make sure your mic never latches. That's right. <laughs> and and don't forget, if there's a microphone near you, somebody is listening. And it's oh, probably geez. the comms engineer. So, oh, geez. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I want to know the, like, the real stories about Jeremy on uh-huh. Passion.com. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yes. you know, things happen. It's okay. Great. So, uh, cool. So, side tone is that. And then there's some side tone adjustment. I, I assume we were talking about like minimal, loud. Yeah. So, every yeah, system pretty, is going to have a way to adjust it, that. Yes. Yeah, so every system will have its own way to do it. Even two wire party line systems, a lot of, a lot of the modern two wire systems have their belt packs have little side tone, uh, little adjustment dials on the bottom of the pack, uh, all the way up to matrix systems where you program it on a key and then the user can operate it however they want. They can make their adjustments to their own side tone. That's great. Uh, Zach, you, Zach mentioned a word latching, which we don't have. We need to land the plane here in a minute, but latching is an important function of, of this stuff. Cause I know people are like, Oh, like it, it's different. So yes, there's yeah. ways to communicate differently on the panels or whatever. Yeah, most systems will provide the ability to either have a momentary, which is a, a push-to-talk mode for the keys, or some sort of latching mode where you tap it and then it's on, and you tap it again and it turns off. Uh, and then a lot of the matrix systems have uh, kind of a hybrid mode or an auto mode where if you press and hold the key, then it'll be momentary. So when you release it, it will release. And if you just tap the key, then it'll latch on. Um, but all those options exist generally when we start programming, uh, the baseline is momentary push to talk for everything. Cause you want to reduce chatter and you want to reduce noise and then you turn on, uh, latching as needed. So obviously like the director with cameras, that's something you want to latch. Uh, there might be a couple other spots you want to latch. There are certain things like IFBs that you never want to latch because think this is going to talent's earpiece and you would hate to accidentally leave it open and now you're distracting uh, talent. So there's always a mix depending on on what you're doing. And I think so, it comes by the event as well. There's a lot of times where I have to make a tweak where it's like, I need my I need my key to latch today. Yep, but then absolutely. make sure you disable it after this event. Yep, hopefully. Yep. So a lot of things that we could dive into even more, but uh, obviously we don't have time for. One thing that we didn't get to touch on that uh, one day, or maybe we can, you get 30 seconds, Jeremy. So here's okay. the deal. Uh, wireless, uh, there's wireless intercoms out there. Some yep. are better than others. Yep. You don't have to mention brands or names or whatever. But like yep. at the end of the day, if they're looking for a wireless intercom, what are they, the 30 second version of like, look at this, uh, like from a technology standpoint. Yeah, most of the modern systems are going to run in either the decked band, which is 1.92 to 1.93 gigahertz, which is outside of wireless mics. It's above wireless mics, or they're going to run in the either the 2.4 or the 5 gig band, which is like Wi-Fi bands. Um, there's pros and cons to both. They will probably get you by no matter what it is. And in fact, if I was a small church looking at getting into my first intercom system, um, the price point is going to be a little higher, but I would seriously consider only doing wireless. It's so much more flexible for what you're trying to do. And when you're a small church and you've got, you know, one or two production guys, 
you're running around and doing everything. You can't be tethered to some seat to be able to be on comm. You know, the church I go to is not that big. And, you know, there's a production guy that's running the whole thing. And he's constantly running back and forth. He's in the green room. He's here. He's wherever when the service needs to start and he has wireless. He just hops on comm and, you know, says to the guys that are back in the booth, hey, you know, roll the roll the intro video or the whatever going in to start the service. And, and then he makes his way back up to the booth where he sits normally during the service. So yeah, there's a lot of options there. There are several companies that do it. Um, there's certainly a variety of budget points uh, with different uh, feature sets, but it's definitely worth, uh, worth looking at if you're looking at getting into intercom. That's good. Uh, this has been really fascinating for me. I think it's a, a awesome intro level. Uh, and for this, podcast intro like, level come on give me a break <laughs> no i'm just saying there's like a long <laughs> list of things that i could keep talking about and we could go on and on and on uh I'm, I'm like i'm thinking about the questions that people will have so people will have more questions yes. you know but the problem is you can't no one will be able to follow jeremy because we've talked about this jeremy has a private instagram account that uh you could ask to follow it's fine you could ask that's right okay yeah. so yeah i'm all right with so, that I don't post a lot about intercom on there. But can we but, slide know. into your DMs with questions about you, com? You can slide into my DMs. Yeah, anytime, oh, okay. Rusty. There we go. Uh, there we yo, go. Yeah, absolutely. I am more than happy to answer questions. You're welcome to give my Instagram out. Um, okay. And, but yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, to answer questions. Or if you know, if you guys get a series of questions, maybe do this again sometime with uh, with some specifics uh, that that came up out of that. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I don't even know your Instagram handle, to be honest. So it's Jeremy Lamori. Yeah, it's so, Jay Lamori. Uh, there you go. Yeah, you could put it in the the in there's like notes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. right. The Show notes. notes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. There you go. Uh, cool. Thanks uh, for being here. Thanks for taking the time. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, hopefully, it's helpful for for the people that are listening. Yeah. Time will tell, though. I think it'll right. be helpful. Yeah. All thanks, right. Jeremy. Yeah. See you later. See y'all. Bye. Thanks. If you've seen or heard anything from MXU, you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams. We know that you have a lot on your shoulders, but you don't have to bear it all alone. MXU can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way. With our platforms, you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio, video, and lighting. Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at getmxu.com.